Hey, welcome to the Micro Entrepreneur Podcast, The Magic of Thinking Small. I'm Julie Hall, the founder of microentrepreneur.biz and womenunlimitedworldwide.com, one of the UK's most popular women in business websites. On this podcast, my main goal is to help you with marketing, mindset, and smart business strategies to help you build a successful micro business. Listen weekly as I share with you the proven strategies and tips on how to build and grow your micro business from real micro business owners just like you. If you'd like to keep up to date with the podcast, head over to microentrepreneur.biz and sign up for our newsletter and you'll also get a copy of my free download of the top 10 business tools that I couldn't live without. I look forward to connecting with you over there. Now, on to the show. Hey, welcome to episode 22 of Micro Entrepreneur, The Magic of Thinking Small. I hope you guys have had a brilliant week. Um, In the interview this week, I'm speaking with Carol Boskert, who is someone that I met a number of years ago when she first started coming along to the Women Unlimited events. Oh, I love Carol. She's great fun. She's a really, really smart lady. And she's been doing an awful lot on working with small business owners, helping them to increase their visibility in their field of expertise. So Carol and I talk a lot about uh, different strategies and tactics and tools that you can use to increase your visibility in your field. Now, um, it's been quite an interesting week for me. I recently went on a personal development weekend, which was absolutely amazing, life-changing, quite fantastic. I did Brandon Bay's Journey Weekend, which is very much on the woo-woo side. Um, And I'm generally not a woo-woo person. However, this was really amazing and and has really opened my eyes, I suppose, to perhaps some of the behaviours and things that I've been doing in my life, which have been self-sabotaging. And one of those things really is, you know, since I have come back after my brief break, I have been getting really busy with the book. I've been updating the Micro Entrepreneur website. I've been getting Women Unlimited back on track. And one of the things I realized very quickly was all of a sudden I had been filling up my life with all that busy activity again. So um have decided that I need to be really strict with myself and just do the work during the time that I want to work. So my ambition and goal is to work just while my kids are at school so that I can really enjoy family time and also have a lot more downtime than I was having previously just to keep that balance and equilibrium in my life. And over the last, well, probably prior to this week, um, last week I had, you know, started doing work after the children went to bed. And it's so, so easy for all those bad habits to sneak back in. So I wanted to just talk very briefly about the importance of making sure that you create boundaries in your life and around your business. Because one of the great things about being a micro business owner is that we get to choose how we spend our time. You know, we get to choose if we uh, go to have to go into an office or we get to choose if we have meetings. We don't have anybody hanging on our shoulder telling us that what we have to do. The problem is, is that we can and then become a worse taskmaster than having a boss. So it's really important that we create proper boundaries in our lives 
around our business so that we are able to enjoy some of the benefits of being a micro business owner. And you can do that by setting time boundaries. So deciding that you're only going to work between certain times of the day, or you can do that by setting values boundaries, um, which means that you decide you're going to prioritize certain aspects of your life. I think when you're a a micro business owner, it's so easy to not do things that are important to you. You don't make the time to do things that are fun necessarily, or you don't look after your health, or you don't make sure that you're eating properly because, because if we allow it, our businesses will always want more from us. You know, they'll always need that extra bit. And, but interestingly, if you don't do that extra bit, I think you'll probably find that your business doesn't suffer too much for it. And it really is about making sure that you're prioritizing the time that you have so that you're getting the most out of it and being more productive in less time. And that certainly is my goal and ambition. So I'd be really interested to hear if you have similar problems or similar challenges. You know, maybe we can share some ideas and techniques that help us create more focused time. Anyway, so let us know on the Women Unlimited website or the microentrepreneur.biz website what you do to make sure that you've got the right boundaries in your life. Now we're going to go on to the show. I hope you enjoy it. and welcome to this week's edition of Micro Entrepreneur, The Magic of Thinking Small. Today with me, I have the awesome and amazing Carol Boskert. Hi, Carol. Hi, everyone. Hi, Julie. (laughs) Carol is the founder of The Blueprint Practice and a visibility strategist working with female business owners to stand out in a crowded market and get noticed by their ideal clients. So she works with them to stand head and shoulders above their competition and attract the right types of clients and turn them into paying customers. Does that sound about right, Carol? That does. Thank you, Julie. (laughs) She's got an amazing background. She used to be the head of marketing for risk and financial services for Towers Watson. Um, She was also the senior marketing manager for Penna PLC, which is a massive HR consulting company. So her pedigree is very high. She now loves working with small business owners. And I'm really looking forward to hear everything she's got to say about how to get more visible in our market. Yay. Thank you, Julie. So, Carol, just tell me a little bit. What does it mean to be a visibility strategist in real words? Tell me what that means. In real words. Well, really what it's all about is just fundamentally helping people to get really clear about what they need to do in order to attract their ideal client. An awful lot of the time, people are doing too much they feel overwhelmed by what they're doing, and they don't have a clear strategy, roadmap, journey in which to take to make it easy for themselves. So what I do is I just cut through all the confusion, and I just make things really simple for them, and I just give them a, a roadmap for their next 12 months that's going to help them to get where they go, where they want to be. And... Um, you know, I'm, I'm really, really pleased to say that my clients have immediate results. And, and when you get really visible and when you really get it in your head, 
the selling becomes so much easier. So I was just recently working with a client. I just finished the last call with her yesterday and she's doing this retreat. She's left it far too late to get people signed up. But she's putting into practice what I'm suggesting. It's really working for her, and she's already got three people signed up. Oh, wow. So she's amazing. really delighted. Mm. Really delighted. So um, so I was going to ask you for an example. I think that's quite a good example. So tell me what a, what a roadmap looks like. What does that mean? Yeah, well, um, it all depends where your, your background is, but where, where you've come from. But I would say in sort of like business speak, it's a strategy. Now, if you've come from the corporate world and you're setting up a small business, then you know what a strategy is. But often what you're doing is creating a strategy from the corporate world. And this is about creating an entrepreneurial strategy. And it's very different because an entrepreneurial strategy includes all elements of your life. So it's really important if you're a small business owner, perhaps you're a mum, say if you, you know, make jewellery on the side and, um, you know, you've got a little business going, but, you know, it's really key that you are able to create your business and for it to grow around your family. Or perhaps, you know, you've got so many hours in the day that you want to focus on creating your business. And perhaps there are other things that you do that you're really passionate about. So one of my clients is a singer, uh, but she's also a coach. So she wants to make sure that she's got a lot of time available for her to do her singing. So um, it's just really about making sure that you've got this strategy that works for your business and for your life and that's why you need an entrepreneurial strategy and it's you can call it a strategy you can call it uh, a plan you can call it a roadmap it's more or less all the same thing it's about getting really clear how much time you're going to spend in your business what you're going to do and what are the other elements of your life that's really important for you you know this is a subject that's really near and dear to my heart because um Because I think so often we don't necessarily think about what it is that we want to create or how it fits in with the rest of our lives. Mm. And uh, in in my micro entrepreneur book, I've got a whole section which looks at, you know, asking those different types of questions around what do you want? What's what are your values? What's important to you? Um, Because I think otherwise it's so easy to get to allow your business to become all consuming. But actually, just because you're spending all your time on it doesn't mean that you're actually spending quality time on it or doing the stuff that's really going to get results. And and the flip side to that is feeling that you're not spending enough time in your business and that you're not making it work. Whereas actually what you need to do is recognize that the maximum amount of time you might be able to spend is, say, 10 hours. But if they're 10 quality focused hours, it can actually seem like 30 hours. So, you know, and it's not beating yourself up about it as well. So when you were we're talking about visibility particularly, because your Mm -hmm. theory is that if you are able to rise to the top and you become well known in your field, that it's much easier for you to attract the right customers and clients. What would be some of the techniques that people could use to um, build up their own visibility in their area? Well, I say that there are four key pillars to become invisible. And it's a little bit like, say, like an iceberg. 
you know, the things that people see you do will be the things like I'm presenting, I'm on social media, I'm blogging, I'm writing an article. But it's the things underneath that people don't see that are really important. So I say there are four key pillars. The first one is around mindset. And this is the thing that really, for a lot of us, we have to battle with every single day. You know, you can get up, you can be feeling on top of the world, and then it can turn on a dime. Something can happen, you know, and, you know, you might doubt yourself. You might think it's not perfect enough, or you get that thing called comparatonitis, where you're comparing yourself with somebody else. You know, or it could be something that's affecting your self-worth. And these are things that for a lot of us, we carry along the way. And then what happens is we procrastinate. So, so Stephen Pressfield calls that the resistance. Have you read his book, The, no, the War of I, Art? No, I know I've got that to read. I've read the other one that he's written. The Turning uh, Pro. That's right. Yes. Yeah, I've read Turning Pro. Yeah. Turning Pro. So um, the first thing is around um, your mindset. And when I used to work for Penna, I used to work for a company that pioneered executive coaching and they were friends with Tony Robbins, the founders. And Tony used to always say, and he still says it today, it's all about getting into the right state. And I used to think to myself, what does he mean state, <laughs> you know? And actually what I would say is it's all about raising your vibration level. It's about making sure that you feel really good inside because when you feel really good, that affects your behavior and your actions. And it just takes you into a much better place that you feel, yeah, I can do this. So getting into that right state is really important. So how do you do that though, Carol? If you're, you know, you're having a bad day, you've had a fight with your kids, you've been screaming at them to get ready to go to school. Not that I've got any experience in that, uh, to get out the door. You know, how do you then turn that frustration and anger and irritation and annoyance into something positive that you can then focus in on your work? Well, it's all about, I would suggest, setting up some routines. So a lot of people who do this will do things like they meditate first thing in the morning. So um, Marie Folio, for example, she will do a lot of meditation. Gabriella Bernstein meditates first thing in the morning. Um, some of my clients I know get up and the first thing they do is meditate. Um, Robin Sharma, he suggests that, you know, you've got to carve out that first hour in the day for you. So for some people, it's going to the gym. For some people, it's just having some quiet time. For some people, it's just sitting down writing a list, you know, so that they can, whatever's in their mind, they can actually get out onto paper. So you've got to identify what are those things that to help you kickstart your day right, first of all. You know, you might do some affirmations. You know, you might decide that you are going to achieve one, two, or maybe three things today. And that actually is more than good enough if you achieve that. So it's it's about having some little rituals to help you get into the right state. And then when those things come along, you know, where it can just turn on a dime, again, what do you do? You know, sometimes I will just put on a really good piece of music that just really ra raises my energy. It takes me back to the times when I was 26, 27, going to roads with all my girlfriends, having lots of times, and immediately... I'm out of that. Yeah, you know? music's amazing, isn't it? I, I can't actually work with music in the background, but if I do need an energy list, hmm. uh, uh, sorry, an energy lift, then having, you know, some nice 
thumping beautiful music just coming out really loud (laughs) it's it's amazing and I just feeling that come in really does make a difference yeah it does and those are the type of things that can just lift somebody out of that you know that place that they're in um I know that I've heard you say before Julie as well you know like keep a copy of all the good comments that your clients send you you know and if you're having a bad day read them it will just make you feel so much better Another thing you could do is just write down all your achievements. You're having a bad day, read it. Um, A lot of people will journal. They'll journal every day so it helps them as a way to release what's in their mind, what they're feeling, you know. And, of course, there's some meditation techniques that you can do as well. Yeah, another idea might be to, um, when you're in a... and a high state is to write down all the reasons why you're doing what you're doing, what it means for you, yeah. what you love about it. And then you can refer back to that when you're feeling a little bit blue. Yeah. And how you feel when you're in that state. Because often when you're in that state, you feel that you can conquer anything. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I think that's the really important part um, as well. And also what's really important is recognizing, you know, are you a perfectionist? Are you somebody that compares yourself to other people? Do you have self-doubt? You know, although you can be fantastic at your job, I, you know, I myself sometimes doubt, have I got it right? Oh my God, I don't, I don't know anybody that doesn't though, really. And then some of, and, and, and what happens, the outcome of that is that you'll end up procrastinating. So it's about recognizing where you are. And it's also about recognizing that these things happen every day. Mm. And sometimes you just got to take each day as it comes. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got off to a good start. That's our mindset piece. What's the next pillar? Well, the next pillar actually is your strategy. It is your roadmap. It's that, um, I always call it, it's that beacon of light. That if you just keep traveling to it all the time, that's where you're going to get to. The hardest thing is to stay the path because what happens is the path becomes a bit boring. You know, you set out with the great intentions, you create your plan, you decide what you're going to do. You know, in about several months, you know, or about summertime, you start thinking, oh, this is a bit boring. What about that lovely new course over there? Oh, that's a really interesting stream of work. And you start coming off your road. And it's the hardest thing to do. So what I always recommend to people is you create your entrepreneurial strategy. And what I always get my clients to do is to read it to themselves once a month. And if they're going off track, then start reading it a lot more. Because, you know, it doesn't need to be a huge document. When I worked for, uh, in my last corporate role, um, the UK office made 90 million. That was our, our, our target for the year. And our strategy was on seven um, slides of PowerPoint. So it doesn't need to be something that is really huge. It can just be um, a simple A4 sheet of paper, especially if you're starting out one or two A4 sheets of paper or a couple of slides, but something that you can just read back to remind you why you're doing this, where you're going and what you want to see. And as I said, it needs to be an entrepreneurial plan. So it includes all part of your life. And part of that is also about having fun and spending time with the people you love. And that should definitely be in your plan. Well, as someone who we know has recently suffered from perhaps overwork and a bit of burnout. Yeah. What would you suggest to somebody that comes to you in that type of situation? 
Well, I mean, if, if somebody was to come to me and burn out, I personally wouldn't work with them because I would not be the right person. But I would recommend that they would see somebody who is qualified to deal with that. So to see a, a coach or a therapist. And again, it all depends how, how bad the burnout is. What I could definitely do and what I would be happy to do is I could sit and I could listen um, and I think that is when you're not qualified to do something like that, that's the best that you can do. And for some people, that's a great place to start. Um, but I do think that there are very qualified people to do that. And, and it is about how you can let go of it. It's about how you deal with all those emotions, you know, and how you slowly get yourself back on track. And also just giving yourself the time because it is going to take time. If you get if you if you reach burnout you're not going to spring back in a couple of days. So working with a coach who's qualified to work with uh, women, micro-entrepreneurs, who for whatever reason find themselves in that state, working with an expert in that field would be the, the best solution. Yeah, I think um, it's, it's quite interesting because I didn't work with a coach, but what I, you know, as everybody knows, I kind of just <laughs> shut down for six mm. weeks. But it was really healing it was amazing and the thing I, I guess um, I would just say on that is when you're uh, when you're in that circumstance I realize not everybody has the luxury of being able to stop working completely yeah. but it is about making things a priority and and mm. not doing things that aren't um, and just focusing on the stuff that is you know is going to keep your business ticking over and your income coming in until yeah. you're at such a point to be able to start ramping it up and including yeah. more activities into your time. I mean, I absolutely needed the time out that I took. Mm. Um, and probably because I was able to not do anything meant that I was able to recover much faster than perhaps I would have done otherwise. Yeah. And I think if, if you do find yourself in that situation where you can't take time out, um, I think you've definitely got to talk to somebody you know, you've, you've got to be able to release that and maybe through doing exercise and talking to people about it. Because if you were in the corporate world and this happened, your doctor would sign you off with stress. Yes, it's true. You know, and, and, and you've got to remember that. And then, you know, that's probably why we should all have insurance. Situations. But that's what you've just got to remember, that you are dealing with something very real at that point mm. it is affecting your health you know and even if you go to your doctors and you talk to them about it often they can actually uh provide you with some you know um therapy services uh so that you get to speak to somebody yeah yeah so that's the kind of um life and body and health well i suppose and health side of it because i actually think I mean, we haven't talked about this, but I, uh, something I've really struggled with in the past is to prioritize myself and my health in my business. Mm. Um, because, you know, if you have other commitments, and most people do, it's very easy to put everybody else first. Yeah. You know, and not to find time to exercise or not to find time to, um, you know, eat a healthy meal or, yeah, yeah. you know, or even, even sometimes if you're really, you know, kind of just going at it, even going out shopping and, you know, doing all those things, what would you suggest, you know, in, in a more normal situation, not necessarily the extreme ends, but in the day-to-day -day side of things? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I exercise a lot, <laughs> but, uh, 
and I have a trainer and I see him twice a week and it's in my diary and if I don't get turn up which I never not do then he gets paid for it I think it is about scheduling it Mm -hmm. you have to be at the top of your priority list um, because you know it's nobody else's body apart from your own it really isn't and whether you have children or dependents or you know maybe um parents that are aging and they rely on you the fact is at the end of the day it's your body and you want to have the best life that you possibly can so i think it is about making yourself a priority i know that's really hard especially if you're a mum with children you've got a home to run You've got to look after the children and all their activities, plus you're running a business. That is really, really hard. But you just have to say, look, I've got to do this. And maybe what it means is that your business isn't going to grow as fast as you would like. Maybe you're not going to be bringing in the type of revenue that you want. But actually what happens is you get it all into balance. Mm. And the fact is, when you have it in balance, the probability is you're far more productive you know, you'll be far more creative. You won't be so stressed. Yeah. And you'll actually get a better result. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So lifestyle is one side of it, but then there's also that hard and crunchy business side of it in your strategy. Yes. So what do you think people need to make sure they're including in their, in the business side of that strategy piece of that roadmap? Okay. So, um, So let's say you've included your life, you know, all the other elements of your life, and we're just focusing on the business part. Uh, I think it's really, really important to think about how much do you actually want to bring in in revenue terms. And you've got to sort of like plot it. You know, if I want to bring in X amount of thousand, you know, how many days of work does that mean or hours does that mean Mm, doing the maths yeah yeah, you really have to say then is that doable you know because um if you build in everything else in you've got to say have i got enough time to do this because you don't want to run yourself ragged yeah because that's when you will burn out yeah so you definitely have got to have a look at your figures you've definitely got to have a look at your pricing as well Um, The other thing you need is what about all the people who are helping you? So, you know, when is the right time to take somebody on to help you? And it could just be a couple of hours a week. And actually what you might do is not so much take somebody on in your business, but you might take somebody on to help you with some things in your home so that it does free up some of your time for your business. Yeah. So you might get a cleaner or somebody to do Yay, the ironing. Love cleaners. For you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and that way it means that you don't have to do that, and you can use those couple of hours or whatever it is, um, you know, on your business. So definitely, it's it's around pricing. You've got to have a budget. You need to have. Um, sorry, I skipped over that quite quickly. You need to also think about okay, what's my budget? How much am I going to invest? And what do I want my return on investment to be? So if I'm going to go and join a networking club and that club is going to cost me £500 a year, what does a good return on my investment look like? Particularly given that it takes time as well. And your time, as exactly. we know, is money, right? Yeah. And and how how am I going to be committed? So when I join something, I always say to myself, I'm really committed to it. So I will make the effort to attend each event. 
I will make the effort to connect with people afterwards. I will make the effort to help them because it's all about building relationships. Yeah, and knowing that it's not just a jolly, which is always the risk with networking events, isn't it? Yeah. And um, that's the type of thing that you've really got to do and take yourself through it methodically so that you might then say, okay, I'm not going to join five networking groups. I'm just going to join three, you know, or two. Yeah. Um, The other thing as well is it's all around planning. So you've got to plan everything out. You've got to have an overview of what your year is going to look like. Big, big thing is you've always got to add in cushion time. Everything always takes so much longer. Yes. (laughs) You've you've also got to think about, well, what is your backup plan? You know, what happens if your internet goes down? Where could you go? Yeah. You know, what happens if, you know, like I did, I fell over recently and I broke my mobile phone. You know, what's your backup? Um, So clear objectives on what you want so that you know exactly where you're going to go. Make sure that you do all the, you know, the numbers, like how much do you want to earn? What's the revenue you want to bring in? Um, What does that look like? Is it realistic? Make sure you've got a plan there so you know more or less exactly what you're going to do. And of course, things change, so you wanna have some flexibility around it. And who else can help you with certain things? And then what you've got to do is you've got to agree on how you're going to achieve that strategy. So um, with lots of um, the clients that I work with, who a lot of them are coaches, some are stylists and uh, therapists and people like that, or mainly people who are providing a service, um, a lot of them would like to claim their expert status. And, you know, when I say to them, okay, how long do you think this is going to take? They say, oh, maybe two to three months. So, so I think it's going to take a bit longer than that. You know? <laughs> so it's about understanding that, okay, you want, you've got a, a goal of to claim your expert status, but there's an awful lot of people there in your marketplace probably providing the same thing. And it is going to take you time and you don't want to feel disappointed. So you've got to give yourself that time. Yeah. And uh, what I see a lot of people do is they put too much stuff into their strategy they're going to do too much. They're going to get too much. And, of course, then it doesn't work and they feel disappointed. So they think it's going to take two to three months. And uh, and the reality is it takes an awful lot longer. Yeah. Okay. So, and go. <laughs> okay. So um, the other thing that you need to have a look at, um, which is a separate pillar, but you also need to include it in your strategy, is around your messaging. Yeah. So a lot of the time, what people tend to do is they 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 have a 30 or 60 second introduction that they normally say at a networking event and they think that's their messaging. And um, it doesn't matter even if you have a niche or you have a segmentation approach to your business, um, you need to have different messages at different stages for your clients and how you interact with them. So you may have different groups of clients that you work with that will need slightly different messages. And you will also need different different stages of the um, experience that they have with you. So, um, <clears throat> so how do you manage that, though, in terms of, say, something that's general, like your website? If you have people coming in that are at different stages or, um, yeah, have different needs, how would you suggest people manage that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, 
So the thing is that there are, I hope you're not going to put me on spot here, but there are four (laughs) different groups of how people think. And what you've got to make sure, and I've had to learn this, what you've got to make sure is that in your on your website that your content is reaching each of those four different groups. So there are some people that are very analytical. So what you've got to make sure is that your content is talking about results and uh, percentages and the numbers and analysis and methodology. That's going to speak to them. Then you're going to have other people that it's all about, you know, um, is it a good use of my time? So you've got to uh, reassure them that it is a good use of your time. And then there are other people who um, it's more around what's the engagement how am I going to feel about this? And there's a fourth group, which I can't remember. (laughs) But basically what you've got to do is you've got to make sure that you're hitting all of those four groups so that when somebody comes in, because very few people will read a website completely every single, you know, they dip in and they dip out. And you've got to just make sure that those messages are there. And of course, um, it all depends what you're offering. But sometimes you know, people are offering a service that can take you from maybe a beginner right through to, uh, you know, professional or advanced. And what you've just got to make sure is that you know the types of messages that your client is, go- that is going to resonate with your client. And the best way to do that is to ask them. So one of the things that I always ask my clients whenever they come on any of my courses or anything like that in my pre-event um, questionnaire, I ask them, what are you struggling with? Because that way I'm going to find out actually what's keeping them awake at night. Yeah. And then I can make sure that I drop those um you know, solutions in, it might be in a blog, it might be in an email, I might have a section on my website, you know, I'm going to mix and match. Um, Because as we grow, our businesses are going to grow, and they're going to evolve as well. So your website's going to evolve, you know, and you're going to want to change your website at some point as you grow as a business, as a person and as a business. So does that answer that, Julie, for you? Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. So, um, so if we just kind of step back to the strategy bit for a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got the uh, we've got our messaging, we've got our product, we've got our pricing. What are the other things that you think we need to be including in that strategy level? Yeah, you need. Um, we call it your tactics. I've said I've called it your plan, but it's your tactics. What are the things that you're going to do? to raise your visibility. So it could be something like I'm going to use speaking as one of my key tools to raise my visibility. And that would make sense that you would put networking alongside of that and possibly doing webinars. Or you might be doing blogging and you might be doing video blogging. Right. So you're kind of getting practice and experience and putting yourself out there in that yeah. area. Now, that's yeah. quite an interesting one because I, I had a recent uh, an email from somebody asking if she could do a webinar for us. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, I said, oh, would well, you have a video of you speaking anywhere? And she's like, no. I said, do you have a recording of you talking anywhere? She's like, no. And so it's really difficult for somebody like me who does work with other people 
on, uh, you know, even on a podcast basis to yeah. uh, to trust someone enough to put them in front of my community if I've got no way of being able to experience them in, yeah. you know, in, a, in that form. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there is, there's a couple of things. I mean, I think your values come into this. So, uh, again, it all depends on how big you want your plan to be. But one of the things that um, I always do is I think about my brand values and I see them as being the boundaries in which I engage with people. So it's not just about the things I won't do, but it's about the things that I will always do. So, of course, Julie, as you know, you're very well known within this market. You're one of the leading, you know, business women. And of course, I could imagine that lots of women want to work with you and maybe do a webinar with you or a podcast. You know, you have a great following. And it is, I think, totally reasonable to have in place a set of criteria that you want um, people to be able to match before you're, you feel happy and confident that you will want to share your platform with them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've made the mistake before where I've done just done it on somebody else's recommendation. <laughs> and I will never do that again because yeah. it's... <laughs> Because it was a mistake. But it's more, you know, just thinking about people's visibility. I mean, if they do want to be visible, if they want to be out there, they really need to have a series of tools that they they can share with people, which shows them talking about their subject. Um, Even if they even if they're shy, there still has to be a way for us to hear them or see them, I think. I mean, that's my opinion. I mean, one of the, the fourth pillar in this is what I call your toolbox. Ah. And it's all about, you know, when you open your toolbox, they are the tools in there that you're going to use to really um, raise your profile. But the thing is, they shouldn't be loads and loads of tools. There's mm. going to be two, three, maximum four tools. And it really doesn't matter whatever what other people are doing it's what you can do and it, and if you have too many tools it just won't work so if so okay so within the strategy part what mm. we would do is include the um the type of yeah. visibility strategy that we're going to employ yeah um and then in the in the fourth pillar we would actually look at the tools that will yeah. help us um, develop that side of our business or yeah. enable us to do that okay so what are the the key ways that people can build visibility within their area um one right so using the tools no nope. just if you were to the, if we're so we're still in the strategy bit okay um so if we're still in stra- what are the strategies that people can employ to raise visibility and then then we'll talk about the tools that they might use to support them in that ambition Okay, so what are the actual tactics they're going to use? Yes. Okay, so it really all depends on, on, you know, what you want to do. But I have known people to build their lists because that's something all micro-entrepreneurs should be doing on a daily basis. Spend 15, 20 to 30 minutes a day building your list. Some people have done that (laughs) Yeah, some people have done that just through Facebook advertising and they've built their list up to 2,000 plus people. 
Other people say, no, do you know what? I love speaking and speaking is going to be one of my key areas, one of my key sort of like tactics that I'm going to use, one of my key tools in order to raise my visibility. So it's it's definitely about playing into your strengths and knowing what you're good at. But sometimes we also need to step out of our comfort zone. So I, for example, hated public speaking. I really, really hated it, always hated it in the corporate world, always avoided it. And I think after about the first year in business, I just I just said to myself, if you really want to take your business to the next level, you're going to have to start speaking publicly. Because when you speak publicly, it's the fastest way to grow your credibility because mm. you're the expert. When mm. you stand up, you're the expert in the room. It's automatic, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And of course, there you know, regardless of whether you're speaking to six or eight people or whether you're speaking to 250 people, you know, you're seen as the expert in the room. And I just had to get over that. And what I did was I put myself on some training and I knew I was going to feel awful because I feel sick. I keep going to the, the to the bathroom. You know, I knew I was going to feel terrible. I just thought, look, I've got to get over that. And that was me pushing myself outside of my comfort zone. And really, that's what people have got to do. You've mm. got to understand what you're really good at. And then you've just got to push yourself outside of your comfort zone. I don't think there is any one tactic that is better than something else. Because I've seen people... You know, I've seen people speak and they've built a fantastic business. I've seen people blog and they've suddenly had 15,000 people reading their blogs and people signing up. I've seen people using Facebook. It, it really, I think, comes from yourself. If you really believe that what you're going to do is, is going to work, then you're going to make it work. Mm. And then it's about becoming a master of your craft. So it's not, oh, I think I'll be... Is that a, the third pillar? Well, the fourth pillar is your toolbox. Yeah, but the third so pillar is... Your third pillar is your messaging. Oh, right. Okay. So that's sort of like, uh, so you've got your mindset, you've got your strategy, then it's really about getting very clear on that messaging. Yeah. It is. And, and understanding how you can flex your message when you're in different um, situations. Yeah. So you're not just relaying the same thing. Yeah. Um, of course, it's all got to be authentic to you. You know, you don't want to say something that's not real. And then your fourth, really, which takes up a lot of your time, and it's the piece that's on the top of your iceberg, is is the your toolbox. And, and so that would be things like Facebook ads or yeah. a book or your yes. blog or yeah. webinars. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, okay. So, um, so in your so you don't sort of rate one type of credibility or expertise over another because I know that there there is a unnamed program out there that reckons you have to write a book if you want to be an expert do you believe that to be true no (laughs) (laughs) I mean um without a shadow of a doubt writing a book gives you a uh, it gives you a certain expertise and platform out there in the market um, but not everyone feels comfortable with writing. No. 
you know, so what happens to all those people who don't feel comfortable with, with writing? Does that mean they're not going to be experts in their field? But you know what? They they might be fantastic speakers. Yeah. They might be incredibly creative. And actually what they can do through Facebook and Twitter and using social media might build a fantastic business for them. So I don't think you have to write a book in order to be an expert. Is writing a book a good thing? Yes. Does it take a lot of time? Yes. Yeah, it does. And what do you think about the people that, you know, reckon you just need to name yourself as an expert to be an expert? What are your thoughts on that? Right. Do you mean like where you get a, give yourself a certain name? Yes. Yes. Well, um, the fact is, I think there is some really good things to do with that. Because if you get something that is very unique and original, it really helps you to stand out and it help. It will help people to remember you. Um, but what you also do is you have to back that up with substance. So this is part you know, of the mastering the craft thing. Yeah. Um, it's absolutely no good coming up with some great name that you position yourself as. And then actually what's underneath it is very flaky. And actually it's exactly what everybody else is doing in your, you know, in your industry, you've just called yourself a different name because people will see through that very quickly. Yeah. Do you have a name? Well, I call myself the visibility strategist. Perfect. <laughs> but no, I don't have some name. <laughs> Do you know, I, it's one of those things I find really, really hard because I've, you know, I've tried like small business champion. I've tried, uh, I don't know. Well, that's, and, and it just all sounds so hokey. Yeah. I mean, look, some people do it and they do it really well. Yes. And and it sounds really good. I always think it's have you got the substance to back it up? Otherwise, it's just a little bit like it's it's just a facade. It's, yes. It's like being a celebrity, but not having the talent. Yes. Yeah. I mean, some of them, I think, are quite fun. There's a woman that used to go to a networking event that I would go to regularly called Auntie Planty. Which right, <laughs> and obviously she was a gardening expert, oh. and I so I thought it was yeah I thought it was quite I thought that was quite fun. Yes, yeah. um, you know I don't know I used to be a member of BNI as well. You know where they highly recommend that you come up with a really catchy you know strap mm. line for your business like. Uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I can't think of any at the moment. But you know, like if you're a plumber, you say something like, you know, uh, never have to worry about your pipes again, kind of thing. Or yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, that's nice and fun, and you can see how that would work. And you know, the fact is, providing they're a really good plumber, it really doesn't matter what they call no, themselves. That's true. You know, but I think it's when people start saying things like. The million dollar guru. Yeah, seven figures. I've never heard of it. Yeah. And we can, you know, we can make you have seven figures in, you know, 90 days. And you think, look, come on. No, we'd all be doing it if that was the case. Oh, if only. Yeah, just leave your values at the door, please. And But the fact is, you know, um, you know, these you, you very, very rarely I'm not saying it never happens, but very rarely does that type of thing all come true. It's, it's just a way of selling yeah. and probably selling in not a very good, authentic way. No, but from a standing start to get to even 
even six figures in three months would be ridiculously difficult you know and I think I think not enough people talk about the time that these things take you know back to your point earlier about oh yeah it will take me two to three months to become seen as an expert in my field you know field of coaching yeah well I mean and I'm I'm all about enjoying the journey at the moment so um which must be something that you talk a lot about in your stuff because if you're not enjoying the platform that you're choosing for example then it's going to be incredibly difficult and Mm. you overcame your fear of speaking yeah you know but I suspect that writing is where you really get because you're such a great writer is it yeah I mean but you know and you did you did those amazing that amazing blogging um Mm. you know you had a carol for those that are listening went to how many readers and such as such like we did a 30-day challenge yeah Yeah, we did a a 30-day challenge um after a blogging workshop that I ran and carol came you know just really grabbed it with both hands and got from nothing to four thousand um readers within within the 30 days which was just was phenomenal 30, yeah it was less than 30 days phenomenal 30 result days. yeah so yeah. Well, I mean well done you I, Thank you, you. <laughs> um but uh you know and I think I think choosing the right channel is really an important part of this process yes yeah yeah it is so what would you recommend just in the you know just closing up now what would you recommend for somebody um that is just starting out and and does want to reach the top of their field if you like as an expert particularly I mean it must be incredibly difficult to do it in an area like coaching for example where there are probably one million coaches uh just in the UK alone yeah so trying to rise to the top in that type of field must be incredibly hard you know what would you suggest Mm. somebody do that's that has that as an ambition or a goal yeah I mean I personally think you can still do that I mean I I really am a great believer is if you know it's it's that Napoleon Hill thing if your desire is strong enough you will get there oh I love it we should put that as a quote (laughs) so um I you know if my clients come to me and say to me that they want to be seen as one of the leading coaches in the UK they can definitely do that and I've worked with people you know, I can give you a case study. I can't mention their name. Um, but um, I worked with a coach and, you know, um, what she did, this is going back a few years, but what she did was we made her go to a, a networking group twice a week. She had to get two business cards from that networking group that were authentic connections for her to go and then follow up. Um, and have meetings with she had to get to know the person who was running the networking groups and uh, then get speaking slots and she had to do that on a regular basis Um, then it was all about okay let's host our own breakfast and get those clients that you've met into a breakfast that we did free of charge we held it in really nice places like Claridge's and things like that then we would employ telemarketing to get the meetings you know, so sometimes I got on the phone and got the meetings. Um, so in her first year, she, uh, she, I mean, she was struggling. That was the whole thing. They asked me to help her with her marketing. So in her first year, um, after I helping her, she went from zero sales 
to 100,000. Wow. And then her second year, she did probably just under 200,000. Her third year, um, it was over 300,000. Then it was 700,000. Then she hit a million. Wow. And she got a book deal out of it, which was worth 150K. And uh, when she left, we saw a million pounds walking out the door. You know, so can it be done? Yes, it can. But it isn't going to happen overnight. Yeah. So you've really got to be sensible about how you plan this because you've got to manage your own expectations. Yeah. Well, I imagine there's an awful lot of coaches out there that would be extraordinarily happy with £100,000 a year. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's um, it's also about not making any excuses. Yeah. You know, and so so that's why doing the planning piece is really important because you've really got to know how much time you've got to do everything and you've really got to know the investment both in hard dollar and soft soft dollar so how much you're going to pay out and how much time you're going to give and making um, sure you're getting the return on that yeah and so, and the way you make sure you get a return is that you have to work at it yeah you know, it just doesn't happen if you think, oh, well, I'll turn up. You know, you turn up at a networking event, network. Yeah. You know, make sure you talk to people. Don't stay with the same person. Ask lots of questions. Listen to their answers. Start to create connections. Give people things of value. Sometimes people are worried about giving away too much stuff because they think it's, you know, it's it's their stuff that they own and they don't want to give it away free. And I always remember, Julie, that you said, you know, you can give away um, 80% of what you do because people will pay for the other 20%. And that's absolutely true. You know, they will. And once you start giving great value to people, they are going to start wanting to be your clients. Yeah. You know, I had a client um, who called me up after being away for a year. You know, and she said, right, I want to work with you now. You know, she'd gone off to do some calls. The course was finished. She said, right, I want to work with you. And that came down to a lot of the fact that, you know, I'd given her great value beforehand. Yeah. You know, and the fact that she didn't buy from me at that point didn't put me off. And I didn't hound her afterwards or anything like that, you know. Um, but it doesn't stop me from giving the next person great value as well. So you just really have to be committed. You've got to be consistent and you've got to work at it. It's just not going to happen overnight. And on that note, Carol, (laughs) I think we shall call it a day. It's been absolutely incredible. It's been great fun talking to you. You are a font of knowledge. Um, Thank you so much, Julie. So are you. (laughs) (laughs) I really enjoyed it. And um, for those that are listening, take care and I will see you next time. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Micro Entrepreneur Podcast. If you'd like to get a copy of the links mentioned, please head over to microentrepreneur.biz, where you can also get a copy of my business tools that I couldn't live without. Also, I'm introducing a segment where I will answer one or two listener questions. So if there's a burning question that you have about your business, please leave a message, which you'll find the link to do over in the sidebar at microentrepreneur.biz. Who knows? I may even discuss it with one of our business experts. So you get two heads for the price of one. Finally, if you like the show, please do leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcast site you are listening to this from, as it really helps us with our rankings and to get the word out. Thanks so much for your support. Until next time.